Hello, everybody. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I'm Evan Watalis and the host of Talking Sports with Evan and got a bunch to talk about here today, mostly focusing on the Packers and the 49ers, which kicks off later on tonight in San Francisco. This is a Saturday edition of Talking Sports with Evan, and it's going to be a fun weekend here in Wisconsin sports. Already started last night. The Badgers defeated Indiana 91-79. Marquette just defeated St. John 73-72. The Bucks are about to play the Pistons in a little bit. Uh, Bucks trying to bounce back from an embarrassing loss to the Cavaliers playing a four-win Piston team. And like I said, you got Packers and 49ers coming up later on tonight. The majority of this show is going to be talking about the Packers and the 49ers, and the 49ers have not been very kind to the Packers as of late, especially in the playoffs. But before I do jump on that, I want to spend a couple moments talking Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks took one on the chin big time against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers the other night. They lost to Cleveland 135-95 to in a game that, yes, Giannis did not play. However, it was still an embarrassing loss because Cleveland's missing a lot of guys due to injury. You should be able to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers with or without Giannis in the Cavaliers' current state, and the Bucks just got totally annihilated. I think they were down 20-2 to in the first quarter at one point. They fought to make it a 10-point game by the end of the first quarter, and then it was basically just disaster from there. The unfortunate thing in this game is Chris Middleton scored two points on one for 10 uh, shooting. Lillard had 17, but it took him a lot of shots to get to that 17. Bright side of the game, Jay Crowder's back, and he had 15 points off the bench in his 19 minutes of action, so it's great seeing Crowder back, but the game was pathetic. It was a bad game all around. It was a game the Bucks had no business losing with or without Giannis in the lineup because you're going to have to give Giannis some time off either due to injury, um, banged up, or just uh, a night off here and there because he's playing a lot of minutes already this season, more minutes than he has thus far in his career, and you're going to need Giannis down the stretch come playoff time if you want to do anything. In fact, he played 40 minutes in that overtime win against the Kings. He played... 37 minutes against the Golden State Warriors. He played uh, only 26 minutes in their shellacking of Boston on January 11th. In their loss against the Utah Jazz, Giannis played 38 minutes and scored 25 points. So Giannis has been getting a lot of minutes so far this season. Missed his first game the other night, and they needed Middleton. It had to be cash time, cash money time, which has been in the past when Giannis has taken off and Middleton just was atrocious from the floor. Had two points, two rebounds, two assists in 20 minutes. And like I said, he shot one for 10. It took him, I think, late third quarter, maybe fourth quarter before he finally scored a point. And I'm not on the it's time to move on from Adrian Griffin camp yet. I'm not there. I think it's a big risk to move on from the head coach in the middle of the season. But I'm starting to move that way a little bit. I don't know if Adrian Griffin's the right guy for the job. And I was excited when they got him. He's getting an opportunity after so many years as an assistant. 
He was uh, known for his defensive ability as a coach, and the defense just hasn't been there. The offense has been there great, but the defense just hasn't been there, and the Bucks are in the bottom half of the NBA in defensive efficiency, and they're just not consistent. And what what troubles me with the Bucks, what really troubles me with the Milwaukee Bucks right now is it seems like there's stretches of time where they just don't want to give effort outside of Giannis. When the Bucks truly want to play defense, they shut you down. I think the third quarter against Utah showed that. The Bucks came crawling back in that game against Utah out of, the, out of halftime in the third quarter, completely dominated that game, and the Bucks had a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter but just ran out of gas. You can't keep putting yourself in these tough situations, double-digit deficits, 20, 25, 15-point deficits, early in the game and expect to come crawling back night after night and just flip that switch when you want to. And I don't know what that need, what move the Bucks need to make. Uh, Murray from the Hawks name has been thrown around that the Bucks have some interest in. I don't know. Caruso is another one that's been thrown around. I don't know if the Bucks have enough to get either one of those two, but John Horst, uh, he needs to do something at this point because – it's tough at times watching this Milwaukee Bucks team. So hopefully they can get it right against the Pistons at time of recording. Tip-off's about a little more than an hour, a uh, little less than a, a little more than a half hour away. And hopefully they can get a get-right game against the Detroit Pistons and beat a bad Detroit team, although they've been playing a little bit better as of late. They're still not a good basketball team. And it's a game the Bucks should win. They really should. So, I'm going to move on. Majority of this show, I want it to be talking Packers and 49ers. The 10th time the Packers and the 49ers are playing in the playoffs, and it started January 6, 1996, divisional round. The Packers have to go out to the Bay to play San Francisco, a game that looked like it was going to go San Francisco's way early. The Packers end up having a fumble return from Craig Newsom for touchdown, went 31 yards to put the Packers on the board, and the Packers ended up getting the win in that one, 27-17. The 49ers coming off of a Super Bowl win the year prior. Heavy favorites. They were 9.5-point favorites, actually. That's a number to keep an eye on. I'm going to explain why momentarily. The Niners were 9.5-point favorites in this divisional round game back in '96 and the Packers got that win, the Packers would go on to lose to the Cowboys a week later in Dallas. But that kind of, I think, helped set the Packers up to take that next step. The following year, they get San Francisco once again in the divisional round, January 4th, 1997 exactly, in a mud bowl. Lambeau Field got a ton of rain, and the Packers jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead out of the locker room at halftime. The 49ers made it 21-14. The Packers had a fumbled kickoff return. Desmond Howard was late coming out of the locker room because he had to change uniforms because his uniform was that wet and dirty. So he had to change. I think he had to change his pants or something, if I remember correctly. They had a fumble. 49ers recovered, made it 21-14, and the Packers just completely took over from there to stretch it out to a 35-14 win. They beat Carolina the following week in extremely cold temperatures to go on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. 
They beat the 49ers January 11th, 1998 in the NFC Championship game, led by Dorsey Levins. The Packers, just their defense just completely controlled that game as the Packers won 23-3. And then we have the end of the Mike Holmgren era as the 49ers beat the Packers on a last-second touchdown pass to T.O. Terrell Owens to give them the 30-27 win. And it's a game the Packers should have won. There was a fumble by Jerry Rice on that same drive that they called uh, him down, but replayed showed that it was clearly a fumble, but we did not have instant replay yet at that time. This game is actually one of the games that helped push for instant replay to come back to the NFL as this basically changed the tune of this game altogether. And the Packers, as we knew them, kind of completely changed. Ray Rhodes became the head coach for one year. That didn't go well. Reggie White moved on. And it was a tough 1999 season that brought in Mike Sherman, who in Mike Sherman's second year took the Packers to the playoffs against wild card game against the 49ers once again. And the Packers got back on the winning way in this game, beating the 49ers 25-15. to Amon Green had a huge game. Unfortunately, the Packers didn't go any further than that the following week. They got totally annihilated, I believe, by the St. Louis Rams at the time, now the Los Angeles Rams. I think far, I think that's the game. Far threw like six interceptions in the game, five or six interceptions, and it was just <laughs> embarrassing loss by Green Bay. And that is when the tide turned. The tenth matchup, the 49ers are up five to four, and this is pretty much where the matchup changed. January twelfth, twenty thirteen, in San Francisco, and this is a game. Remember. The Packers lost to Seattle earlier in the season on a controversial call when we had replacement refs that brought the permanent refs back. If the call on the field would have been interception Green Bay rather than touchdown Seattle, this game would have been in Green Bay. The 49ers would have been playing wild card weekend, and they would have been playing Green Bay in the second round rather than the other way around. The 49ers used their bye week, hardball, the coach at the time, put the offense together to beat the Packers, and that's where Colin Kaepernick had his breakout party in this game, running for 181 yards, throwing for 263 yards, and just completely annihilated Green Bay, running over them, through them, around them, you name it, and it Totally, it totally made Eric Walden and Clay Matthews look silly because they did not defend the zone read well at all. And Kaepernick had lanes to run all day long. And the 49ers got the 45 to 24 win. The following year, matchup much closer, January 5th. Uh, very, the Packers uh, just limped into the playoffs. Uh, This is Aaron Rodgers' second game back from a broken collarbone. And frigid temperatures at Lambeau Field. I was there. I I was at that game, and it was freezing cold. And the 
the 49ers ended up getting the win 23-20 on a last-second field goal. Micah Hyde dropped an interception that would have sealed the game, likely for Green Bay. But the 49ers ended up kicking a game-winning field goal on that drive to make it 23-20. If Micah Hyde does intercept it, he has nobody in front of him. He could get back up off the ground and run it in. At worst, you're playing on very short field. But instead, 49ers get to 23-20 win in a very frigidly cold football games. And like I said, I was there. It was freezing cold. Phil Dawson nailed a 33-yard field goal to win it. 2020 NFC Championship game, January 19th, 2020, almost four years ago to the day. The 49ers just completely ran all through Green Bay's defense. The Packers lost the game 37-20, and the 49ers only had to throw the ball eight times the entire game. They only had to throw the ball eight times the entire game. How crazy is that? In 2020, a team wins a football game only throwing the ball eight times. But the 49ers just dominated on the ground to win 37-20. And then the most recent matchup, the 2022 divisional round, Packers, 49ers, Lambeau Field, snow falling, cold day, and the 49ers used a blocked punt late in the game to tie the score at 10. And then the Packers couldn't do anything after getting the ball back, punts it back to the 49ers, and the 49ers kick a 45-yard field goal to get the 13-10 win. So like Packers-Cowboys last week, the Packers-49ers have a long playoff history. This is their 10th matchup, as I mentioned. Packers are going to make it even if they get the win. And they really do need to get this back swung in their favor if they want to if they want to be legit contenders and if they want to be legit contenders they need this to swing back in their favor they really do um Matt LaFleur has not played that well against or that coached that well against um uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan his uh former boss has not not fared that well against him and this is going to be the first matchup that we don't have Aaron Rodgers involved uh, since the twenty nine uh, twenty uh, since the twenty thirteen divisional round. This would be the first time we don't have Aaron Rodgers involved in this matchup. And the 49ers are a very good football team; they really are. Brock Purdy, as much as we want to call him a system guy. He plays really well. Clean, he has a 125.4 quarterback rating. Under pressure, 90.2. As opposed to Jordan Love, a 102.3 out of a clean pocket, 87.8 under pressure. Big time throws for Brock Purdy, 5.14%. And uh, turnover worthy play on 3.4% of the time. Comparing to Jordan Love, 5.2% of the time he has a big throw and turnover-worthy play, 2.49. So Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. As much as we we, we want to call him a system guy, he, he runs the system extremely well, and he is a very talented quarterback. And he's got a lot of ways to beat you. Debo Samuel can beat you out of the backfield, can beat you at wide receiver, can beat you in the slot, can beat you outside. 
There's just so many different ways that Debo Samuel can beat you. If you focus on Debo, take him away. You got Ayuk, the number two rated wide receiver, according to Pro Football Focus, on the other side. He's a guy that can blow you away. You got George Kittle at tight end. And to top it all off, you got Christian McCaffrey at tailback, who had over 1,000 yards rushing, leading the NFL, and I believe about 500-ish yards um, receiving on the, on the year, too. So McCaffrey's a guy that can beat you in multiple ways. The 49ers offense puts a lot of stress on the defense. And in order for the Packers to win this game, they're going to have to win up front. They're going to have to win up front, play smart football, and don't overreact to any of the fake handoffs, misdirection type stuff that the 49ers try to do. Trent Williams, their left tackle, is a future Hall of Famer. He was drafted in 2010, and he has been a dominant left tackle pretty much ever since. He's the second-rated left tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, this year. Outside of him, the 49ers' offensive line is about average. Their left guard, uh, Banks, he graded out at a 54.9, according to Pro Football Focus. Offensive grade, 54.9. Uh, Pass block, 55.2 run block. So he's not that great of a player. Their center, ranked 19th in the NFL. Pass block grade, not good. Struggles against trying to defend, uh, protect the quarterback. That's a matchup that Kenny Clark and Slayton and Wyatt should be able to take advantage of. Spencer uh, Buford, their Right guard, if he does, in fact, play the right guard position, he does not pass block well at all. He's a bit undersized at 6'4", 300, and his pass block grade, 28.3, 74th out of 78 right uh, uh, guards in the NFL. And Colton McCrivich, the other tackle, the right tackle, little bit better against the pass at 56.4 than the other three guys I just mentioned. Run block rate isn't isn't that uh, bad either. He's 31st out of 81 tackles. For the Packers to win this game, it's going to be up to Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and then Clark, Slayton, and Wyatt, who I just mentioned. They're going to have to control the line of scrimmage. Lucas Van Ness is going to have to step up. He's going to have to get a lot of the reps that Ingabare was getting, plus the the reps he was getting prior to that. Bretton Cox, the rookie undrafted linebacker out of Florida, is probably going to get some playing time today as well. He's going to have to step up um, if the Packers want to put pressure on uh, Purdy and get him off his spot. Purdy's going to put up balls that should be intercepted, and I know he's very good against pressure, but when you get pressure up the middle – that's the quarterback's uh, worst nightmare, and he might be uh, rushing throws out of there. And gap security against Christian McCaffrey is huge. McCaffrey is the, uh, the perfect running back running the inside-outside zone scheme. He's a perfect back for that. He, he, he can wait till the very last minute before deciding which way he's going to cut, go back weak side, stay strong side, He's, he's going to find that opening. If somebody up front, the inside linebackers, outside linebackers, defensive line, if somebody up front 
does not do their job, McCaffrey has the vision that he's going to find that gap and he's going to explode through there. The other thing the Packers defensively needs to do is is eliminate big plays from the 49ers. The 49ers are great at getting the ball in the playmakers' hands and letting them make big chunk plays down the field. So if the 49ers, they're going to complete passes, and if and when they do, you're going to have to eliminate the big yards after the catch. Ayuk, Samuel, McCaffrey, Kittle, all great after they get the ball in their hands. Kittle's hard to bring down. McCaffrey, Ayuk, and Samuel are great at making you miss or running you over. You have to attack the football and get as many hats to the football as you can when the receivers do catch the football. Those are things you got to do defensively. And I know it's, we're dull. That's common football. You got to tackle well. You got to get pressure on the quarterback and you got to force turnovers. If you do those things, you're typically going to win. Against a team like San Francisco, who have so many ways to beat you, it's a lot easier said than done. And we've seen the Joe Barry scheme be pretty bad at times. The one area that I'm very excited in is seeing how Jordan Love plays against this defense. The last couple times under Matt LaFleur, when the Packers have played the 49ers, it's been Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, and it's been Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae, and if that's not there, there's nothing there. Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best ever to throw the football. But but the issue I had with Rodgers, with LaFleur, is he didn't run the offense. The closest he came to running the offense was LaFleur's second season when he's actually attacking the middle of the field. Robert Tanyan, shockingly, had an outstanding season that year. Because Rodgers is looking middle of the field, and Tanyan, I think, had 11 touchdowns, and they ended up losing to Tampa Bay because Rodgers reverted back to, let's look for Devontae and nothing else. The Packers' offense has so many ways to beat you. Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Musgrave, Kraft, Aaron Jones, Wicks, Bo Melton, Christian Watson. A.J. Dillon, if he plays. They can just have so many ways on offense to beat you. Now the 49ers up front with Chase Young, Hargrove, Armstead, and Bosa are very strong and talented that you're going to have to, your offensive line is going to have to play outstanding. Zach Tom, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, and uh, Rasheed Walker are going to have to play the best games that they can play. The 49ers aren't aren't the best up front playing the run defensive line-wise. They're all 60s or below in run defense, except for uh, Nick Bosa, who is an 81.9 according to Pro Football Focus. Everyone else is 60 or below. But their middle linebacker in in Fred Warner is just so good. He, he, He is great against the pass, great against the run, and he's not he's not afraid to throw his nose in there and get tackled. And Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw, who's currently questionable, he's a very good outside linebacker. Then you have former Packer uh, Orwin uh, Orwin Burks, who has really bounced back after a 
not-so-good career in Green Bay has really made a name for himself out in San Francisco this year. That linebacking core led by Warner, very good, and they're very sure tacklers. So the, the, def- the offensive line of the Packers need to play their best game. Zach Tom has been outstanding. Out in Jenkins has looked like his old self prior to the ACL injury, especially lately. Up front, the Packers need to dominate. And do I think they can? Yes. I think the Packers' offensive line can dominate. The last two, the last, I want to say the last two times the Packers have played the 49ers, you had guys out of position on the offensive line. You had Billy Turner playing left tackle, Dennis Kelly at right tackle, Rick Wagner at right tackle. You 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 had guys out of position in some of the biggest games of the season, and it showed. But you have a unit. Now you do rotate in and out at right guard with Sean Ryan, but you have a unit that's played together, that's healthy, that has grown together throughout the season. And Aaron Jones, who has four straight, 100-yard games is looking for another big game, and I think this is a game that we're going to see Aaron Jones use a lot more in the passing game as Jordan Love's going to have to find where the pressure's coming from and hit the open man. I think that open man can be Aaron Jones. So can the Packers win? Will they be moving on to take on Tampa Bay or Detroit next weekend? That's the question, and for me, I definitely think the Packers can. I think the Packers can beat beat the 49ers. I think they will beat the 49ers. And it's going to be final score, I would say probably a 31-24, 24-21 type football game here tonight. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. Uh, Audio-only version, as scheduled did not allow me to get on to a video version of the show. I'll be back at it next week, recapping hopefully another Packer victory. And until then, go Packers and go Bucks. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. <laughs>